Hoi, ik ben Ilko Klomp van mybarstime.com en op de fietsnijdwerk luister ik altijd naar Setlusting Bruce met Jesse Jackson. everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce. It's your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and I think I've said that introduction so much that people think I'm recording it, but it's not. It's live every time. Joining me today is my new friend, Dan. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, Dan is someone who reached out to me and said, hey, I've been listening to the show Wondering if you'd want to hear from me, and of course I said yes. So uh, thanks for reaching out. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name's Dan, as you said. I'm 35 years old, uh, from the other side of the pond to you. Um, so I live in London, uh, in the east of the city. Um, I am married. I have a, a young son who's nearly 18 months now, uh, unbelievably. So that's uh, old enough that I've started to uh, think about the Springsteen indoctrination, um, which kind of hard to tell how well that's going at this early stage, but uh, I think you can never start too early. No, you um, can't. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and yeah, I work in the world of marketing, which is pretty fun and has taken me, uh, I'm quite lucky in that it takes me to quite a few fun places around the world. So I get to travel a bit, which is cool. Um, and I also know you like to talk a little sports as well. So uh, I should also say that my other kind of great love, uh, I'm a big uh, football or soccer fan, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so my team, Crystal Palace, is one of my uh, one of my other great loves. So uh, before I became a dad and all my free time disappeared, I used to spend quite a lot of time following following them up and down the country as well. You know, it's interesting. Um become a parent your time shifts um and you know it's it's really funny uh to pull the curtain a little bit um we're starting just a few minutes later than we planned and it was (laughs) it was just so i smiled um because you know i got an email hey jesse um my boy woke up from a nap kind of unruly (laughs) and, and it's hard to tell your significant other right well dear I've got to go talk about Bruce Springsteen, so you handle this, uh, uh, you know, upset toddler. It's a tricky, it's a tricky conversation. You're right, uh, <laughs> but yeah, thankfully she was, uh, she's been very obliging, so that's, that's done me right. a favor. Um, are you guys a mixed marriage? Is she a Springsteen fan? Not hugely, no. So she, uh, well, I'm sure we'll come on to it. She, she has seen him once uh, with me, um, and I know you. I've heard you on the show before kind of categorize people into two camps. Either they see Bruce for the first time and uh, can't get enough or they sit there thinking, my God, when is this going to end? Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think she she was probably more in the in the latter category. I think I think the length of the show was was a little tricky for her. But uh, but no, she she I think she appreciates him and his politics and his point of view on the world. But musically, 
not not quite her bag i'd say yeah my uh lovely bride um she now enjoys watching him live but now as she said want a tour is plenty for me you know what is this you know why do you go like no you can't ever get enough um and the um but we do i just talked to somebody um and i i'm drawing a blank but um we had a similar discussion uh where we had to um hey linda do you want to hear something interesting and he said the same thing to whatever his wife's name is and you have to go, and no, it's not about Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and then she goes, okay, yes, now I want to hear it. <laughs> so um, I recognize that conversation, yeah. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, and what's just as fascinating is um, it is just as much it's, – it's probably 50-50 um, gender-wise. I, I get just as many female Springsteen fans that are mm-hmm. obsessed – or passionate, and their husband is like, "What? What's the deal? I, I don't get this." Uh, so um, it isn't just because the stereotype you think of us just guys being obsessed with either Springsteen or our sports team, but uh, it's just as much. So that's cool. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and I think um, I mean I don't know what it's like in the U.S., but certainly over here, you know, if you go to his his shows, it's a really diverse crowd. I mean gender wise as you say but also kind of age wise as well i mean it's hugely diverse right from kind of teenagers through to you know people you know my kind of parents age in their kind of 70s and um i think that's one of the one of the really lovely things about the sort of springsteen experience it's it's just hugely diverse you know early early in the podcast a couple of years ago i had a guy named andre who was from canada and he was like 19 at the time just mm-hmm. finishing up, just starting college, and he had written like his senior um, a thesis in his high school about Springsteen, and um, had never seen him live, just a fan, you mm-hmm. know, and 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 was a passionate fan, and that's when I always like, well, you know, there, because you understand if you're a second generation, or in some cases third generation, like. I grew up listening to Bruce. It was the boss, and that's what it was. But here's just someone on the wild happened to found the music, and it it spoke to him. So that's very cool. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I think. I mean, I think as well. There's a lot of. I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto it later, but I think one of the really nice things is how often it's kind of passed down, or there's there's a bit of kind of parental influence going on, which is which is really nice. And I think you know, I know. You know, I know a few people for whom um, it's probably no exaggeration to say it's it's that kind of fandom has been a, a sort of a link between them. I think particularly, you know, between sort of father and son where where otherwise they may sometimes, you know, struggle to kind of communicate or find common ground. It's uh, that it can be a pretty, pretty important thing, I think. Yeah. And I I, I assume it's that way um, with. Um, football on in your area i know it is with american football and baseball Mm -hmm. here it is very much a generational thing you know you're Mm -hmm. you're a red sox fan because your dad was a red sox fan and your grandfather was a red sox fan or you may become a yankee fan because your dad was a red sox fan and you're trying to be a rebel um Mm -hmm. and, and i do think there is that um generational thing where 
um, you can get together and both enjoy. Um, my son, Chris, who just turned 30 this year, um, though I remember the toddler years. It's They don't seem that long ago. Uh, they live, live long in the memory, yes. I'm sure. Um, he, um, you know, went to his first show during the River Tour, and he ended up doing the two shows. And he was, you know, he, he became, he became, I think, um, how do I put this? healthy passionate in words mm-hmm. i you know he 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 really likes it but you know he he hasn't gone to the obsession of you know doing a podcast <laughs> you know <laughs> getting someone up on a sunday morning and making them spend their sunday uh, afternoon talking about it but you know he loves his music and he loves the guy mm. and so that's cool well yeah, let, it, go ahead it's cool. no no i was just going to say i think the only difference between that and the kind of sports analogy is that I suppose at least with uh, at least with Bruce you can be pretty confident you're passing on a, a good thing whereas I guess the trouble with sports particularly my team is um, you know it's a bit of a decision do I inflict a, a lifetime of uh, of pain and frustration uh, when it comes to my football team on my son I think that's that's quite a big call so uh, big... you should tell the story to your lovely bride. Um, I, we, Linda and I moved to Dallas in 1986. We got married Mm -hmm. in 84, we moved in 86. And I had never grown up as a big sports fan. My parents weren't sports fans at all. Um, but Dallas, Texas, you know, the Cowboys are in the blood of the city. I mean, it's in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up finding a sports talk to radio uh, that I really liked, and so I became a Cowboy fan, and so mm-hmm. kind of watched it, and um, Chris was born in 89, and, um, you know, he doesn't, he, he is quick to point out that he was born while Tom Landry was still coach of the Cowboys. He didn't get fired till two weeks after he was born, <laughs> um, and, you know, he, he watches the games with me, and then um, the the first year Barry Switzer was coach, they go to the NFC Championship game and they were down 21 to nothing during the first three minutes. Just everything was wrong. Aikman threw an interception, returned for a touchdown. Emmett fumbled, returned for a touchdown. Michael dropped a ball, returned for a touchdown. And um, he started crying that they're going to lose. I mean, tears. And Linda looked at me and like, this is your fault. I can't believe you've done this to him. Um, and I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. You know, I'm like, we, we I loved him when they were 0 and 15. It's all right. And um, so now then, uh, once he reached high school, um, mm. you know, he'd be gone all the time, but he would be back home for a Cowboy game. And And now at this point, he is way more obsessed with the Cowboys than I am. I mean, if you name a number, um, he'll say, oh, yeah, you know, that's, um, that's you know, Drew Pearson's number or, oh, that. And so he has just become, and he goes, they will break your heart, Dad. They will break your heart. And every once in a while, I'll wear a Springsteen shirt on Cowboy Day. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? I said, Bruce never breaks my heart. <laughs> I can count on the Bruce uh, delivering. Um, I can't always count on the Cowboys. So my vote is yes. You teach him and you tell him that's part of the fun. 
it's exactly. easy it's easy to pick one of the the teams that always win um uh, you know and okay i'm going to be this no you pick your team and that way when they do win you get the excitement and joy that you were there I couldn't agree more. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Good. All right. So now that we're off on our sports tangent, as I warned sure. you that we would go, uh, talk mm-hmm. about growing up. What uh, kind of music did your family listen to? And mm-hmm. how about you? Once you started on your own, what did you like? So, um, so yeah, I grew. I mean, I grew up with a lot of music around. So my my parents were both pretty into music. I think my dad, in particular. Um, and his, I mean, his tastes were pretty all over the map. I mean, he's a big jazz and, and blues nerd. That's probably his 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 particular area of expertise. But I mean, really, his taste was kind of all over the place. So there was a lot going on. But I, I guess within that mix, a lot of your kind of classic names. So the the Dylans, the Neil Youngs, the Joni Mitchells, Van Morrison. You know, those kind of names were pretty um they were pretty consistently on kind of in and around the house and and i'd say bruce was definitely a part of that mix and and we'll we'll come on to it later but i think obviously at that early stage i was kind of aware of him i was aware of the music but um but really kind of no more than that so that was kind of i suppose kind of formative years which i guess in many ways is quite lucky with because there's some pretty exposed some pretty decent stuff early on um and then i guess from there it was probably a pretty conventional path for a sort of white middle class kid in the suburbs so um (laughs) we uh yeah i suppose kind of graduating on to a little more kind of heavier stuff um so you know the kind of nirvana smashing pumpkins green day those kind of bands um there was a, I suppose, a slightly regrettable new metal period in the late 90s that we'll, we'll just kind of gloss, gloss over and pretend that that <laughs> never really happened. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I'm much older than you. I graduated high school in 77. I yeah. went through, and I'm not totally embarrassed about it, but I went through a phase where I was obsessed with Kiss. I never did the makeup, <laughs> but, man, I Kiss Destroyer, Kiss Live, Kiss Rock and Roll Over. I mean, I just, that's all I listen to, you know? So, um, yeah. and, and there still is good memories of that, but it is kind of like, um, you're like, well, I was a little embarrassed, but maybe not total. So yeah, I hear you. It could be worse. It could be, uh, it could be Limp Biscuit, couldn't it? So, uh, <laughs> yes. uh, so the less, the less said about that, the better, but, um, and yeah, I, I guess kind of after that, um, I suppose I I got into got pretty heavy into what I guess what you'd kind of broadly call kind of Americana and and various kind of strands around that. So um, even now, I mean, a lot of the stuff I love now, kind of bands like uh, uh, the War and Drugs, I'm a huge fan of. Um, who they have a pretty a pretty Springsteenian uh, influence in their music, I'd say. Um, people like yeah, I, I I kind of flirt a little bit with more of the kind of country stuff as well. I think that someone like Jason Isbell, for example, I'm a huge fan of. Um, I've seen him seen him a few times when he's rolled through town here. So, um, but really, I mean, it's, it's he truly it's is somebody place. pretty amazing. 
he's, he's I mean, he's he just, incredible. Yeah, I, I um I really um loved his latest album. Mm. Um my I have one of my best friends was a big drive by trucker fan and you know course, that's yeah. where he knew them and then the still fans of both groups but uh yeah and uh you know and jason has done a few you know Springsteen tributes so you know yes, that always yeah. helps that someone you admire you know admires the bruce definitely well he's done a i mean his um atlantic city cover is is pretty special um yeah and it was also pretty cool i saw on I think I saw one of his tweets a little while ago. Someone asked him what his favorite Bruce album was. I can't remember. I can't remember the context. Yeah. But he was pretty emphatic uh, that Ghost of Tom Joad was was his favorite, which I thought was a really cool choice. But actually, isn't hugely surprising to me. I guess knowing yeah. Jason's music pretty well. Um, but I thought that was pretty cool because I I love that album. But it 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 rarely gets i don't know it, it it seems to get a little bit lost in the noise i think but um yeah so that was cool yeah because it's easy to pick darkness or born to run mm. um you know for modern classics you know you may say uh magic or wrecking ball um but yeah ghost is kind of that that's kind of cool that that's very cool um yeah so you're going through your phase you're kind of being a rebel um <laughs> how did you rediscover bruce well, um, it's interesting. I so yeah. So I, I guess kind of going back, he was obviously he was someone I was aware of, but very much within the kind of context of it's stuff your parents are into, and it sat. So so when I was a kid, I can remember a lot of um, you know car journeys, kind of holidays or vacations, I should say, driving through France with you know various music on and. You know, born in the USA and Tunnel of Love, those kind of kind of mid late eighties albums were were on pretty constant rotation. So I kind of knew a lot of the songs, but it, to be honest, it was just kind of old people music to my ears. Yeah, you know, like, sure. uh, and um, and then I remember briefly around the time the Rising came out, being aware of that and listening to it a little bit. And I guess partly because you know, obviously the context with nine eleven and all the rest of it. Um, and the fact that you know, E Street were getting back together made it made it quite notable. And I remember kind of dipping into that briefly and, and kind of enjoying it. But again, it was quite quite fleeting and it just wasn't really what I was listening to at the time. But so the thing that really got me back into him, and it's it's, it's a really specific memory, was this must be, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, something like that. And I'd gone back to my folks' place and we were sitting down just chatting. And my dad put on, uh, he had the tracks album on. And I was kind of loosely aware of this song in the background. And, um, and, and at that time, I was kind of really into a lot of, I suppose, more kind of acoustic music, kind of folkier stuff. And, um, and the song that was playing was um, Shut Out the Light, the... It's obviously a bit of a niche track, but I think I think it was um, the B side to Born, the Born in the USA single when it came out, and obviously one of the songs on tracks. And I remember just listening to it and, and just being aware of the song and thinking how much I liked it. And I remember saying to Dad, I was like, so I kind of recognised the the voice, and I was like, is this is this Springsteen? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'd, I'd never really, I'd, I'd only ever really associated him with these more 
these kind of big sort of bombastic kind of stadium rock um sort of sounding songs um so i've never really listened to that that side of him before and it just really it really struck a chord with me and i remember listening to it a few times over and there's a there's a a specific lyric in that song um where he talks about um obviously this guy has come back i assume from vietnam and it's something i can't remember the exact lyric but it's something like he was he was lying next to his wife it was 4 a.m he was staring at the ceiling he couldn't feel his hands i just remember thinking that's such a sort of striking lyric and so sparse and so kind of um just said a huge amount about that character and what he was going through and and the challenges he was going to face in, in such a sort of short few words i just absolutely loved it and i remember and i remember saying to dad how, how much i enjoyed it and he was like well listen if this is if you're into it then you've got to go and listen to nebraska that's if, if, if this is the kind of stuff that you're enjoying and this is the kind of version of springsteen that you like then you need to go and listen to that album like ASAP. Um, so that's what I did. And then that, um, yeah, we can, we can talk a bit about Nebraska. I mean, that is probably when push comes to shove my, I'd probably have to say my favorite Springsteen album, which yeah. is sometimes people think is a bit of an odd choice because it's, it's stark. It's, it's quite bleak. Uh, well, very bleak. Um, and obviously musically very sparse, but, yeah, I mean, for a whole bunch of reasons we can go into it. It, I think it's it's right up there for me. Yeah, I I, I totally get that. It is, um, you know, when you when you hear the story of how this came about, and um, it it just it it's very impressive what he did and what he wanted to say. And I think it was mm-hmm. an early indication of he's going to follow his own muse. Um, and I, I think that's served him well, you know, all the way up to Western stars, uh, yeah. which is very different. Um, in my mind, wonderful. Um, and, and um, very excited. We got news as recording that this week that, um, you know, they've recorded that band, uh, mm. that, you know, a full playing of the whole album with that band that you've seen on um, Tucson Train. So I'm looking forward to that, to see that. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, completely. And I, and, and funnily enough, I was thinking, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think, I think Western Stars is great. Um, but in some ways, because one, I mean, one of the things I love about Nebraska, and I think I immediately loved about it, yeah. is that it's one of those albums that almost on first listen every single song and i guess this is a testament to the quality of the writing but it it sounds a bit weird to say but you you can almost see it do you know what i mean it almost plays yes. out like a little kind of movie in your yeah. head which well, go ahead yes well i was going to say and i which i think a is really impressive but that's one of the things that also struck me about western stars i think that's the first record in a while of his where i've i've kind of experienced that similar thing you you immediately just get immersed in in the world of those characters, and you 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 can just kind of see it playing out in your head. You know, you know something like uh, uh, you know, chasing wild horses, yeah. you know, moonlight motel, the title track. You can 
you can see it there and i think that's such a um it speaks volumes just about the quality of the writing but i think that i think nebraska that is relentlessly the case across the whole album in every single track and it and they're all different it's almost like a series of kind of mini movies almost is how i yeah is how i experience it the what i've said is and i think i totally agree with you dan western stars feels like a collection of short stories mm-hmm. you know it's an album full of short stories that um that and not and he's always a great storyteller but it feels truly like these are almost a louis l'amour zane gray you know collection of um where you're elmore leonard almost where you're telling these stories and nebraska has that same feeling so even though nebraska very sparse uh western stars very lush in music music and production they have that same feeling so i i totally agree with you well said yeah and i i mean i think the other thing with nebraska is that it and and this is probably why i think it it sits as my favorite is i guess because the music is so sparse yeah it 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 forces you to to really engage with with the lyrics Mm -hmm. and i remember just being really really blown away by I suppose you'd almost describe it as, as the economy of the writing. So if you yeah. take something like it's, there's a really good example in um, in Used Cars, which I I think is again yes. a really really strong song. But it there's that line um, about uh, I get something like uh, my marshy fingers her wedding band while the salesman stares at my old man's hands. Uh, he's telling us all about the deal he'd give us if he could, but he just can't. Or something like that. Yeah. And um, you know that's what I don't know. 20 30 words but what he's communicated in that you know this idea of you know i've always thought of that as you know there's a a moment which is pretty universal i think for all kids when they you have a moment where you realize that your parents you know are not superheroes and they're actually just normal flawed human beings and i think that's a really really nice kind of encapsulation of that you know this kid is is seeing his dad trying to cut a deal on this car and he's basically another person is getting the better of him and yeah he feels awkward about it he feels embarrassed he feels a little bit um frustrated on on his dad's behalf but it's uh i don't know i just thought that was hugely powerful but to convey that message in what i don't know three lines it's just it's sensational the writing and i think that and then i th- so i think having having been forced to engage with him lyrically on that album, that then meant that for me, that was then the key that really unlocks everything else. Because then you go back and listen to something like, you know, take, you know, we talked about born in the USA or tunnel of love, those albums, which I I was kind of familiar with, but you then listen to them in a completely different way. So suddenly, you know, a cliched example, but suddenly something like born in the USA, the title track, it, it takes on a completely different meaning something like downbound train or um you know pretty much anything off tunnel of love you know once you really engage with what's going on lyrically yeah it's it's incredible so for me it was that's why i think nebraska is up there it just yeah it was the key that really unlocked the rest of his catalog i think yeah and i think the um 
he's really sharing. Uh, you know, I just had a someone I, I I can't remember when, but someone on Twitter uh, posted, um, "What song do you think um, the cover is better than the original?" And he mentioned someone's version of Hallelujah. And uh, West Wing Weekly retweeted that. And, you know, my answer was Johnny Cash's Highway Patrolman. Mm. Um, now, I have nothing wrong with Bruce's, but there's something about Johnny Cash doing that version. Just it fits so much Johnny Cash's persona and his voice. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I've never heard um, Highway Patrolman live. I've never heard used cars. I, I would love that. And... I still, um, I was, I was raised. My parents, um, my dad was in the army, career man. Um, when my mom and dad got married, um, she married uh, a wonderful man, Kenneth, but he was construction, and so we went through periods where money was tight, and that line of when my ship comes in, I'm never going to buy a used car again. Mm -hmm. I. That's his version of Scarlet O'Hara. You know, I'll swear to God, I'll never be hungry again. Yeah, and yeah. Those, yeah. And for those of you, um, I just did my Scarlet O'Hara fist in the air <laughs> that only Dan can see. So, it's a good look. It's a good yeah, look. thank yeah. you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, we, um, I always preface this with the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer what kind of fan you are. But just for the record, how many times have you seen him? Well, it's a pretty pretty simple answer. So three times. Um, but, uh, and I mean, I should caveat this by saying I know most Springsteen shows are pretty remarkable one way or the other. But I think I've been fairly lucky in the three that I've seen just for um, – they've all been pretty remarkable in in one way or another um please share so the first one um so the first time i saw him was back in uh 2012 he played at hyde park in london so i i don't know if you've been to this part of the world but it's basically a huge huge big open space right in the middle of central london um and he it was kind of like a it wasn't just his show. It was almost like a kind of mini festival, but really he was headlining it. Um, and obviously everyone was there to see him. Um, and it was kind of nice because my parents had bought us tickets actually as a Christmas present. Um, so the show was in the summer. Previous Christmas, they bought us tickets. So it was kind of nice that we, I actually got to go with my brother and, and both my parents, and, uh, my now wife and a few friends as well. Um, and... So there's kind of, I guess, three big uh, things that stick out about that show. The first was the the opener. So, and bear in mind, so bear in mind, I've, I've never seen Springsteen before. And standing there and gets ready for showtime. And suddenly he just walks out onto the stage. Um, no guitar. Uh, just holding a harmonica. That's it. Um Roy's on the piano, otherwise no one else on stage. And he walks up to the mic and says, um, you know, good evening. And he says, I wanted to play something. It was the first thing I ever played when my feet touched British soil for the first time. 
uh, this is a little love letter to start the show. And he was obviously referencing the famous uh, Hammersmith show. Right. Um, and then they just launch into Thunder Road. So just Bruce, harmonica, and Roy on piano. That's it. And I've never seen... I mean, I've been, to, you know, I've been lucky to go to kind of hundreds of, of gigs and concerts over the years, but I, I've never seen a crowd react like that. Um, and it was like, you know, within 30 seconds, every hair standing up on the back of oh, your yeah. neck. You know, in fact, actually, it's on it, it's on YouTube if you search for it. Um, London 2012, Thunder Road, and it's it's an incredible bit of footage. Um, yeah, huge whole parts of the song he just hands over to the audience who are kind of singing along. Um, and I don't know, I just thought, wow, like to walk out in front of 80,000 people with no fanfare, barely any instruments and just have them in the palm of your hand within two minutes was was just incredible. So that was a very cool um, opener. That is very cool. Yeah, it was awesome. The, I think the second thing that stands out um I know you've had quite a few people on who obviously have been to been to tons of shows and are quite into their kind of rarities and, and almost a sort of song collecting. So about midway through this show, and again, actually, this clip is on YouTube and it's, it's well worth watching. Um, he points to this guy. Obviously, people have the signs up at the front like they do. Yeah. And he points to this one guy and he grabs this sign. And this guy had requested... Uh, take them as they come so okay. the so it's a kind of river era mm-hmm. b-side which i mean it's it i mean i've never heard it before because i mean right. at, at that stage i was still kind of um obviously getting to grips with the catalog but it's one of his many b-sides that if it was any other artist it would probably be their best song whereas right. for him for him it's like casually tossed aside as yes. a, as a b-side but anyway so he held up the sign and this guy basically had been to had listed on this sign seven or eight shows that he'd been to all around the world where he'd requested this one song. And for every show where he'd ne- it never got played, he'd cross them off one by one on this sign. And Bruce holds up this sign and he runs through them all. Um, and he was like, look, tonight, tonight finally is your lucky night. We're going to play it. Um, and I checked it out and I think it's, I think they've only ever played it 10 times ever. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I think they played it in, in a decade at least. Um, and, and they played it and, and for a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the time while they were playing the camera on the, and the big screen was just focused on this guy in the crowd. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone look happier at, at anything. I mean, this guy was like grinning from ear to ear and it was just great. And it, uh, and again, it, as seeing as it was the first time me seeing him and obviously you know veterans of his shows will know this but it just blew me away that he could pick a song off the cuff that from deep in the vaults that they probably haven't played in god knows how many years and just bash it out perfectly um so yeah so that that was very cool but the, the by far and away i think the most notable part of that show and you i don't know you may have heard of this so the very last part of the encore, he said, look, I'm bringing someone on stage now and I've waited 50 years for this. Um, and finally it's going to happen. And he brought out Paul McCartney. Yes. So Paul McCartney strolls out on stage and, you know, it's, you know, these two absolute sort of titans of music and they played a couple of songs and then 
midway through Twist and Shout, which I think was meant to be the final song, they basically played through the curfew that the right. council had set. And they and someone and I mean, imagine being this guy who had to do this. <laughs> yeah. Someone just pulled the plug midway through. So imagine you've got Springsteen and McCartney on stage and you're the guy who pulls the plug. So there's this bizarre scenario whereby they carry they think they don't realize what's happened. Right. Because they can still hear the music. So you've got Springsteen and McCartney on stage belting out this song that no one can hear. It's total silence the most kind of just surreal, bizarre situation. And then in the end, they just had to leave the stage. And, uh, and, and afterwards, I think, uh, Steve, Steve Van Zandt was, well, as you know, can be pretty, um, robust on Twitter. Yes, he can. Probably a good yes, way he to put it. And he, he went off on one and he, he said, you know, it was one of the great, he felt it was one of their great ever shows. Um, mm. but he went off on one about Britain being a police state and he was, <laughs> monumentally pissed off about the whole thing so um so at the time that kind of felt a bit disappointing but i guess looking back is a bit of a collector's item really it's a yeah, pretty, pretty unique experience because you know? that's in fact you know uh ken rosen's you know website uh, i believe this has either happened yesterday or today is the anniversary so it's uh they just talked about that uh um, oh, cool and then the you know the next live show i think it was in ireland right they um they came out with like this amplifier and yeah. um and you know they kind of made this big you know on and off button and they finished twist and shout <laughs> you know and yeah, then it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't shut down the e street band um yeah so i yes that would be a great collection moment yeah um, it, it was pretty cool yeah. um i think the only, the only other thing to to just touch on because i think and i think particularly within the context of of Broadway was mm. was a really nice moment. I think looking back, the, the second time I saw him, which was in the Olympic Park, actually, which is just literally down the road from where I live now, um, that that was one of those shows where they were playing the kind of full albums at the time. Right. So we got Born in the USA, which was, I mean, which was great. I mean, massive yeah. crowd pleaser. And was amazing to hear that, that all the way through. But for for dancing in the dark which yeah obviously you know he's he always gets someone up on stage to dance right. with so midway through that he goes over to the side of the stage and he starts kind of um kind of coaxing someone to come out uh whereas usually obviously he goes for someone in the crowd and it turned out to be his mum so his mum had flown yes. over and he brings her out on stage and then they they kind of dance together and i mean the crowd was going absolutely crazy and um she looked like she was just having a good time and and it was i mean obviously at the time it was a really touching thing to see but i think especially now you know given what he you know he talked about in the broadway show about her yes. health and where she's at now and all the rest of it and um you know doing the maths on it i i guess that was probably around the time that all of that was starting yeah um i don't know it makes it even a little more special you you've probably seen it and again that in fact actually i think on the official bruce youtube channel they've actually released that whole set the born in the usa part yeah. of that set they released the whole thing which was really cool so yeah i was there at that and um that was really special to see yeah um i i i, I love how you preface this dan that obviously every show is special 
so you're not trying to say anything else. But mm. these two stories, I mean, I've seen them on YouTube. I, I've watched the clips. I mean, these are, quote-unquote, pretty significant slash famous moments in modern Springsteen lore. So yeah. I've been there, you got to go, okay, I, I may not got many, but when I do, something significant happens. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that, well, that's that's how I like to think of it anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah. and then so the, the third and final time I saw him, that was on the River Tour, So, mm. and that was at uh, Wembley Stadium. And to be honest, I think by that point, they'd actually stopped playing, because there was a point, wasn't there, where they stopped yes. playing the album through. Yeah. So by, by the... And uh, no, I mean, that was a really cool gig as well. I think that, in fact, actually, the the thing I really liked about that was he came out and played. He opened with um, Does This Bus Stop at 82nd Street, which right. it's like solo kind of piano version, which, again, you know, massive stadium show, probably, probably one of the world's most sort of iconic stadiums um, to walk out in front of that many people. You'd, you you would you would think a lesser artist would go for a a crowd pleaser, yeah. and again it's you know it was pretty niche. But I think what was even even better about that was about he he, he attempted this kind of whistling solo as part of it, and it was I mean there's no other way of putting it other than he just completely screwed it up. I mean <laughs> it, it was it, it, I mean it sounded dreadful, and yeah. uh, and he just he just did it laughed. Yeah, you know, prematurely ended the song, mm-hmm. went straight into seeds. The whole whole crowd went mad, and I just thought that again is really cool. You know, the fact he can walk out in front of this many people, completely screw up his opening number, and he doesn't even miss a beat, doesn't put him off, and he, and the the show was was sensational. So yeah, um, it was it's nice to see that he is uh, he is human after all. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I do love that confidence that. You know, he believes in his audience will take him where they will follow him where he's going. That's mm. that's awesome. Um, unfortunately, Dan, I've got I got to wrap it up in the next few minutes, but we're going to have sure. you on again. Um, so um, so I'm going to skip to kind of um, the married question because I want to get that. And then yeah. if it's okay with you, we'll schedule another time and we'll just talk some more because you're a great storyteller and I would love to keep visiting with you. But I've got yeah, a hard stop. Not. All right. No, so, not a problem. Um, as we've talked about, uh, Jay Armstrong, a high school teacher in the East Coast, every year does a whole segment with his students on Thunder Road. They teach it as a poem. They compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Less Travel. He covers all the imagery and the symbolism of the poem. And then at the end, he asks the question, does Mary get in the car? So, Dan Cooper, that is your question. Well, it's uh, – I feel I feel like it's a, it's a timely question, actually, because um, – and I think we had a brief exchange about this on Twitter. But uh, So we talked earlier about Western Stars and – how much you know, you've obviously enjoyed it and, and I have too, but for me that the highlight of that record by a mile is, uh, is Moonlight Motel, which I right. think is, I mean, I think it's not just within the context of the album. I think within the context of his career, I think that's right up there with one of his strongest songs. And it's just incredible. But 
I saw, um, and I remember thinking this when I first listened to it, and I saw a couple of people with a similar theory that talking about what well, is is it telling the story of the two people from Thunder Road? And um, there's a few kind of clues in there, you know, obviously the idea that it starts off this idea of two young people who are kind of on the road and they've stopped off there. And he also talks there's that lyric about the the kind of dusty screen door and you kind of think that is such an iconic lyric you know from obviously one of his most famous songs you know is it a coincidence that um that he would include it it probably is but i like to think that uh that that song tells a story of of those two and where they wound up and i think that would be a I've known it's. I mean, it's it's a very bittersweet song, and it and it ends on quite a somber note. But I still think that would be, um, it's quite reassuring to think that they, that they made it and and had some good time. So I will, uh, I will go with yes. She got in the car, and I hopefully hopefully Moonlight Motel proves that. I love that. I think that is the correct answer. Um, if good. someone wants to reach you, uh, how can they? So you can get me on Twitter uh, at uh, DJG Coops, uh, C-O-O-P-S. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place to, to hit me up there. Good. Any final thoughts? Um, nothing major. I mean, yeah, let's, okay. uh, let's do it again. Um, yes, because I want to talk about favorite albums. I want to talk about uh, yeah. songs that mean a lot to you. I want to talk about wish lists. So yeah, yes, yeah, we will yeah, absolutely yeah. do that. Um, I, um, I I I double booked some podcasts, and so while we were talking, I went to uh, uh, Charles, who we were supposed to start at ten my time. I said, "Hey, I'm going to be a few minutes late." So he's like, "Oh, no problem." So I didn't want to make him wait too late. Um, no, but that's this fine. is great. This is wonderful. I, I love this. Um, you tell great stories, and we'll have you on again. Uh, we're going to end with. Well, deep in a dark forest, a forest filled with rain, beyond a stretch of Maryland pines, there's a river without a name. In the cold block water, Johnson Lehner stands. He stares across the lights of the city and dreams where he's been. Oh, mama, oh, mama, come quick. I've got the shakes and I'm going to be sick. Throw your arms around me in the cold, dark night. Hey, now, mama, don't shut out the light. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, listeners. And as always, keep hope alive. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.